You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Do you ever get that experience where you actually feel like your brain hurts? Like the actual part of my brain (laughs) that is the brain bit hurts. I've literally just wrapped up a 60-minute deep dive masterclass with my students to talk them through what they need to know about search engine optimization. And my friends, I know, I know (laughs) that their heads hurt and my head hurts, but what's so amazing about this is we've recorded that masterclass for our students. And now everybody gets to go in and watch the replay and we all get to take it one step at a time. And because we're amazing, we've also created a super awesome worksheet because I am on a mission to make it easy for my clients to sort through all the things of digital marketing. Because none of us, not a single one of us who are floral designers were ever like, Yeah, flowers are pretty. Oh, I'm also going to be a digital marketing expert. (laughs) I don't know of a single floral designer who set out on that mission. Now, I know a lot of you guys have worked in fancy corporate jobs and you have some exposure to digital marketing, so it's not such a foreign concept. Or better yet, your other half or your brother or your son are like into all of that stuff. So you're like, great, I've literally just outsourced it. But... For the beautiful humans that I work with inside of my Flower Boss Bootcamp to have access to this knowledge is so helpful. Because here's the thing, my friends, if you go out and Google SEO tips, there's like hundreds, hundreds of millions of search results, which is part of the problem. It's like part of the problem, interestingly enough, in our industry is that for half of it, there is zero information available. And then for the other half of it, there is hundreds of pieces of content that we could be searching through. So it's like, which is it? There's no information available for the things that I really care about. And then for those things that I know I should be doing and I just don't want to be bothered to figure out, there's like too much information. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the world of being a business owner and a floral designer. I think that is the official teeter-totter experience of our life. Now, none of that is why you tuned in to this week's podcast episode, is it? I don't think you wanted to just hear about the challenges of SEO. But here's the thing. I wanted to talk you through and hand along this concept that I heard last week, which I found so insightful. Because we're going to talk about some things that you already know, but I want to put it in a container and give you permission to turn it into a thing. So one of my coaches last week hosted a live training and she brought on a lawyer to specifically talk about employment law. Now I know a bunch of you are going to be like, that is, sounds like the most boring thing I could ever be a part of, which is fine because you don't have to be a part of it because I am a part of it. 
And when she was explaining a couple of her concepts, she introduced this idea of we as lawyers always talk in hypotheticals. And the minute that she said that, I went, wait a minute. It's like she's just coined this phrase and identified this opportunity. It was like my ears really perked up because I began to realize that hypotheticals, almost with a capital H, is a thing. Thinking in hypotheticals is what lawyers do. It's literally why contract law is an entire industry in and of itself. But what's really interesting is if we take that concept of hypotheticals and then apply it to our flower business, that encourages us to really put our CEO hat on. And where so many floral designers and flower farmers and creatives go wrong is that we deny the fact that shit happens, right? We all just want to walk around and tell ourselves that it's all rainbows and butterflies and everything's so amazing when you're a floral designer, And we don't give ourselves the chance to even think about or prepare for what might not go our way. And so much of that is what caught this industry off guard in early 2020, right? So many floral designers and event managers did not have contracts in place, which meant they had no leg to stand on. So... This week, I want to talk you through and I want to encourage you to think about some of the key hypotheticals in your business, and I want to give you permission to think about and start preparing for if these key hypotheticals don't go your way. I like to think of the concept of a hypothetical as a little bit like, for all of my spreadsheet geeks out there, your if statements when you're writing your fancy equations right? So if this, then that. We could even draw a very simple diagram where we have a box and then we have an arrow and we go, if this, then that. And what's really interesting is as we move through our floral design career, we're actually doing this very unconsciously more and more every day, right? One of the greatest advantages of having to drive 90 minutes to the Sydney flower market is that I would spend that entire drive to the market coming up with hypotheticals. If there's no burgundy roses, then I'm going to go over here and grab some burgundy carnations. If there's no wattle or acacia, then I will spray paint that baby's breath yellow. Now, I'm not going to say that second one was not my idea. That was Emily And I saw her do that, and I was like, that is genius, (laughs) my friends. (laughs) But coming up with this, if those ingredients aren't available, here's what I'm going to replace it with, right? I know now, if I want blue as part of this bouquet design, Kathleen is going to do that by way of a ribbon. If I want gold as part of this installation or as part of this table styling, Kathleen is going to use this colored spray paint. So we actually already do this from an ingredient and a design perspective, right? And that's part of the skill that we get to develop as floral designers is there's a freak hailstorm. These ingredients aren't available anymore. Okay, what am I going to do? Or the weather has stayed colder than we all expected it, so the peonies weren't around at exactly the right time that I thought. Here's my plan B, right? That's what comes with experience in terms of being a floral designer, is really starting to understand the subtleties of swapping ingredients to still be able to create the overall impact that you want to create. Even when said in a positive light, 
Perhaps there is that perfect color variegated or polka dotted sweet pea. And so you pick it up and you know then you want to adjust the recipes or you want to adjust your design to make that a feature in your final execution. That, my friends, is the concept of hypotheticals. In so many cases, from a design perspective, though, we do that so unconsciously. And we do that because we've had experience. We do that because our first option wasn't available. But we can take this concept of a hypothetical and apply it to any area of our business. And this is where we really get to embrace being a CEO and take our business to the next level. Because instead of constantly being in reaction mode and the stress that comes with the surprise of, holy fuck, I didn't expect that to happen, <laughs> you can start to make some plans now in the cool, calm light of day so that when shit hits the fan, when something doesn't go exactly as planned, you've already started to think through your if this, then that. And I highly recommend that you do this in four key areas of your business. And that is what I'm going to talk you through today and give you a few guiding principles in terms of how you can take this concept of the hypothetical and apply it to four major aspects of every floral design business, heck, every business on the planet. And the first area to look at is staffing thinking about hypotheticals in the context of staffing. And I was talking to one of my clients inside my Flower Boss Bootcamp a couple of weeks ago, and she wanted to dig in very specifically to the what if I get sick scenario, right? When we are solopreneurs, we all have this unconscious, right? We kind of live in denial of the fact that, huh, when I'm trying to do it all myself, and if I get sick, then what happens? What happens if hypothetically you break your foot on a Thursday before the weekend of your biggest event? What happens if your daughter gets sick? It's so interesting because as human beings, we don't really want to go there, right? It's like, oh, Kathleen, I don't really want to live in that land. I'm going to be over here in my little baby snow globe of rainbows and butterflies and puppies because that's my happy place. And I just don't want to think about the worst case scenario. But this is the sign of an amazing business owner is we have thought about some of these worst case scenarios. I don't indulge and I don't expect them all to happen, but I also know it's to my emotional benefit to have a half thought through plan in place because I have been on the back foot in so many instances and just being in reactionary mode stresses me out way more than I know I need to be. Versus if I sit down now and know that I run a legitimate flower business, part of my job is to sort through these areas of hypotheticals. Then I can build my business in line to make sure that when any one of those hypotheticals happens, I am not having to navigate the stress of the surprise Instead, I can get to work on making adjustments, recalibrating, moving forward. From my perspective, I think it cuts down the stress in some of these situations by 50, possibly even 80%. So here are five very specific scenarios for you to think through. 
They're not all going to be relevant to you because of the kind of business you might be running, but I want to encourage you to think about what your backup plan could be. And it doesn't need to be perfect, right? We're not trying to solve all the world's problems, but if we know and we anticipate that some of these things are going to happen, then hey, when it happens, you can flip to that section of your Google Doc and be like, oh my gosh, I am the best CEO ever. I already had a plan. <laughs> it's so good. If you want to give yourself the employee of the month award, this is when we do it. So here are five specific things that you could think through. What if your senior designer calls in sick? Or what happens if one of your senior staff members announces that she's pregnant? What do you want your plan to be then? Second, what if your delivery driver can't make it? What happens if you have a delivery driver specific to your shop or your business? You have somebody either on payroll or as a contractor, but one day they call in sick or one day a family emergency happens. Then what's your plan? Number three. What if the one who is supposed to be in the shop on Saturday isn't available and you have two weddings already booked in on that day? What do you want to do in that instance? Four, what if the freelancer that you booked messages you the night before to say, so sorry, can't make it? Then what do you want to do? And number five, which is so important for us as the creative director and the CEO in our business to think about, what happens if you get sick? Related to that, right? Like what happens if your mom gets sick? What happens if your dog gets sick? Or what happens if your daughter gets sick? Right? And I'm not even talking about like some catastrophe, life or death situation, right? If we are sick, and we are feeling totally run down and cannot and do and know that we should not be getting out of bed, what do we want the plan to be then? I do think there is so much value in thinking through these hypotheticals because of the mindset shift that comes with them. For so many of us, right, when we start our flower businesses, we're all just in the like, yeah, look at me, I can go, I can do it all myself and I'm a superwoman. And we do give ourselves this giant badge of honor because we are amazing. But then you get to a certain level in your business and you realize, well, wait a minute, I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> I don't have time to think through all of these things and do this job and do these 17 jobs all that well. So then ironically, you get sick and you've just created this like vicious loop for yourself. But what's so fascinating, right? I really do believe that there is so much power that comes back to us when we sit down and think about these situations because we will approach our business from a totally different perspective. When we start to approach our business from this elevated point of view, all of a sudden we start attracting more clients to our business, we start making more money, and we start creating even more impact. It's quite literally what happened to me. And I know in the beginning it can bring you a lot of stress and a little bit of that like heart palpitation experience when you think about some of these situations and you kind of just want to push it away. You'd be like, no, I just don't want to deal with it, right? But I will encourage you to go through those scenarios and pick whichever ones feel most relevant to your business because you're going to learn so much. You're going to learn so much about how you're getting in your own way and how you're playing small 
in your business. For me, when I sat down and started to look at what happens if Kathleen gets sick, the immediate shift that happened was two things. One, I really started to value and appreciate the process of documenting my systems. What needs to happen in terms of navigating wedding inquiries? What needs to happen in terms of putting the market order through? What needs to happen in terms of guiding our clients through the quoting process? So that it was no longer contingent upon just Kathleen being able to be in all the places and doing all the things. Second to that, and probably more importantly, was it then demanded that Kathleen take her quoting and her pricing way more seriously. Because so many floral designers think, well, oh, I'm just doing this job, right? It's just me. So therefore, I don't need to worry about the labor component of the service that I'm offering my clients. Except if we were in any other industry, let's take Apple, for example, their labor components, every single one of the steps in the process of making an iPhone must be done by somebody else. That's what's so fascinating, right? We decide as floral designers that our business is very different to other industries on this planet, except it's to our business's benefit if we look at it from a very commercially centered perspective. What should you be pricing that installation out at if you weren't the one doing it? If you had to hire freelancers to do this entire job, what would your quoted price be? If you had to hire staff to run your entire shop, what would your quoted price be? If you're a farmer florist and you had to hire staff to do every single job on your farm, what would your pricing look like? I love that exercise because it requires us to shift our perspective and all of a sudden we take our pricing very seriously and it demands that you stop trying to do everything yourself and you get out of the way and focus on being able to set up the structure and the systems so that others can come in, do the work to your standard. That is the power of actually working through these hypotheticals because then we shift our own thinking and the results that we create in our business is so much more impactful. Area number two to think through in terms of hypotheticals is product availability. Now, most of us as designers do this anyway because we've messed up so many times in the past. Right? If you get a notice from the wholesaler that says, sorry, the burgundy carnations aren't going to arrive in time for this wedding that you need to do, but you've committed it, you've promised it to your client, what are you going to do? What if there's no King Proteas and you've set your client's expectations up to say, yeah, of course they'll be available, no problem. It's through the process of having done this and then having to show up with all of the embarrassment of saying, oh my gosh, I was wrong, that we learn to stop promising anything to our customers. Managing our customers' expectations and creating plan Bs is part of the gig. It's part of the expertise that we bring to the table, right? Because flowers don't come from a machine. Things are not just always available 52 weeks of the year. And even if we're pretty confident, it's very possible that the quality of what's arrived, the quality of what we can get our hands on, 
isn't amazing, so we may not want to use it anyway. So when we learn to manage our clients' expectations that way, we get to sort through our own hypotheticals in terms of product availability. Because my friend, I don't care how many times you've been a floral designer, you cannot predict exactly what days peonies will be available on. And what's really interesting is that the international supply of flowers is so complicated, it's so intricate, and even from a local perspective, ingredients are so dependent upon the weather conditions that it is not predictable. So fascinating to think, like, if you're a floral designer who relies on product being shipped into your state or your town, what do you want to do if the flowers get stuck in transport? What are you going to do if the flowers are stuck on the tarmac at the airport? What if there is a crazy hailstorm and wipes out all of your mums three weeks before Mother's Day? What if somebody steals those containers that you just bought from Kmart and accidentally left somewhere unintentionally? That's the true story that happened to me. <laughs> It's so interesting because I actually think for us as CEOs of our flower businesses, thinking through these hypotheticals allows us to shift our mindset into a higher level of thinking. The third area to look at is the world of technology, right? So many of us, our businesses are reliant upon websites, digital stuff, software solutions, technology, internet phone. What happens if any one of the pieces of technology that your business relies on, what happens if it stops working? It's so easy for us, right? I think as humans and as we kind of continue to live through the human experience and how much more technology plays a role in our life, it's so easy for us to take this stuff for granted, right? Like, of course the internet works. When would the internet never, ever not be working? Like, I've never known that day. <laughs> Except then one day the internet doesn't work. And you're like, what? What is this archaic world that we're living in? Where are the dinosaurs? When these technology disasters, catastrophes, and fuck-ups happen, instead of thinking, well, that's totally outlandish. Kathleen, that's extreme. It's never going to happen. Oh, no, my friends. If you live in Australia and you have Telstra as your service provider, it's going to happen. <laughs> It's going to happen, my friends, and particularly if any of you have ever been through the experience of moving a flower shop, let's talk about that for a minute. Because even as organized as you think you are and as much of a heads up as you give the national internet company, and you think, yes, okay, I've got everything lined up, we've got a good crossover, everything's going to be fine, they've confirmed, and then you move your shop, and then six weeks later, the internet still isn't working. Yeah. Even better than that, the phone number that this flower shop has had for the last 28 years, oh no, there's no phone working either. Oh, my friends, the stress. <laughs> the stress is real. But I am so grateful when we went through that experience, we had created a plan B. We knew, you know what? This is something that's likely to happen. Our business relies on the internet working. It relies on this freaking phone number for sure. If any of those things fall on their face, that's missed money not coming in through our business. I am like, no way. Let's come up with a plan B. And then what about a plan C? So 
the technology that we all take for granted, what do you want your backup plans to be? There's so many instances of technology failure that not necessarily could have been avoided, but having a plan B in place means no problemo, right? It's called business continuity and all of the big businesses have it, right? What happens if, if the power goes out? Hey, what a great example, right? That's also happened as well, right? How do we flower in the dark? <laughs> it's actually very moody and very fun. I'm not going to lie. That's why it's handy if you sell candles in your shop. But have a backup plan. Maybe don't use the candles that you wanted to sell. Learn that one the hard way as well. But this idea of thinking through some of the technology that your business relies on in terms of inquiries, sales, transactions, and wondering, thinking about coming up with your plans in terms of, okay, plan B, if this, then that. So... What happens if your internet goes down? What happens if the power goes out? What happens if your phone line cuts off? What happens if your website gets hacked? What happens if your email inbox gets too full and you stop receiving new emails? What happens if your iPad or your laptop or the computer in your shop or the one that you primarily use for business, what happens if it just stops working and shuts off one day? Because technology isn't always reliable, right? Shit happens. Somebody does some construction somewhere and cuts off a phone line or cuts off an internet line or some truck drives into a power pole and the power's out for a long time, right? Very real situations. And my friend, I don't bring this up to be like the doomsday business coach. I bring this up because I want to encourage you to take your business seriously. Approach your business the way that the big businesses do and go, yes, I do. I have this Google Doc that's called business continuity. It's not sexy, but you know what? If this, then that. It's so incredibly helpful. And I think the biggest shift that it forces us to take as business owners is we take our business so much more seriously. And then the impact that our business creates and the money that we turn over expands to a whole new level. Now, hypothetical area number four, and this is one that you guys are already familiar with, is force majeure and acts of God. Now, if you are familiar with a contract, my friend, you will understand and already be somewhat conscious of this concept of a force majeure. Now, Giant disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a contract lawyer, so please seek your own legal advice. But I want to encourage you as the CEO of your own business to become familiar with the concept of force majeure. Now, what is it you're going to ask me? Technically speaking, it is considered an unforeseeable circumstance that prevents someone from fulfilling a contract, right? It's something that is considered an act of God. Literally comes out of left field, wow, didn't see that happening. Now I can't fulfill my side of a contract. In many instances, this is categorized as war, riots, fire, flood, hurricanes, typhoons, earthquake, lightning, explosions, lockdowns, prolonged shortage of energy supplies, acts of state or government action prohibiting or impeding any party from performing its respective obligations. Does that last bit sound familiar to anybody? 
i.e. the government comes in and forces a mandatory lockdown because of this global pandemic thingo that seems to be happening. Now, from a legal point of view, when a force majeure experience happens, generally speaking, I think when some sort of catastrophe happens, technically it means that a contract is frustrated, right? One party, possibly in some cases, two parties cannot commit to fulfilling their side of the agreement. It's really interesting to then think about, you know what, depending on where you live, the likelihood of some of these things happening is higher than in other places, right? In talking to some of you guys, depending on where you are in the States, right? The reality of going, holy crap, I now run a business where there might be a likelihood of having to navigate delivering my service in and amongst a riot. That's not anything any one of us kind of sat down and went, oh yeah, great, no problem. I'll just turn to page 76 of the how to be a successful floral designer workbook. <laughs> but these are the realities of running a business in our world. And particularly global pandemics, perfect example of a force majeure. And how many florists, event stylists, event managers got caught off guard last year by not thinking about a plan B. What's so fascinating to think about and I'm so grateful for is the fact that even before March of 2020, we had to think about a couple of force majeure situations. So I already was prepared, having no understanding, realization, or conceptualization of the fact that, oh, hey, a global pandemic? I'm like, not in my lifetime, people. Medicine is too far advanced for that shit to happen. <laughs> Kathleen, you were wrong. Okay, thank you. Thank you for putting me in my place. And it's so interesting, right, to watch this industry still not learn from the experience of 2020, to see how many floral designers walk around with no contract, to see how many business owners get completely walked over because they aren't standing their ground. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I'm a betting woman, I would say at this moment in time, realistically, what are we? At least 18, possibly 24, maybe even more months away from the good old days in terms of being able to wander around this planet all willy-nilly, eyes wide open going, guys, great, this is so fun, let's focus on the future. And it's so fascinating, right, this shift that has to happen in us when we start to take our business to the next level and we start to think of our business in a very different concept. And I was talking to one of my boot camp clients yesterday, asking all of these amazing humans to just pop in, please share something with me that you're really proud that you did in the last seven days. And one of these amazing humans said, I said no to my client when she asked for a refund with her non-refundable payment. I was talking to her about it a little bit later and I said, hey, how did you feel when you did that? And she just looked at me and said, so sick. I was so nauseous <laughs> going through that activity. Correct, right? It is so scary to put your foot down and be like, no ma'am, this is the contract you signed. You do not get your money back. And what's so, I think, frustrating in this industry is that you don't see that happening as often as we should. We don't see the leaders in our industry standing up and being like, oh, hey, guys, uh, non-refundable payment means non-refundable payment. 
Instead, I remember hearing podcast episodes last year with some of my favorite designers and they were all like, oh no, I just gave the money back. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what kind of, what? No, no ma'am. That is not the kind of business that I want to be running. And here's the thing. I'm not going to come in and tell you how to run your business because each one of us gets to run our business the way we want to run our business. I just want you to know that you have legal rights and you have an obligation to your business as the CEO of your business. If your clients cancel their wedding, it is not all your problem. They have signed a contract, and in that contract, you've already thought through the hypotheticals. You already have a force majeure statement in there. And my friend, just as an aside, if you don't yet have a contract and you want a place to start, jump in to my big-ass folder, Free Shiz, because our exact terms and conditions are written out in there for you. And yes, that is even better version of terms and conditions than what we took to court last year to defend. No, you can't get your money back. Yes, we're all upset about this situation, but I'm keeping your initial payment and I still love you. So if you don't have a set of contracts, terms and conditions in place for your business, make that a priority. Jump into the big ass folder of free shiz and grab ours. Then talk to a contract lawyer who knows the laws in your state the most important thing on the planet so that you feel armed and ready for a force majeure situation. And it might not even be a lockdown, right? You might be dealing with extreme weather conditions, unforeseen circumstances. You might be dealing with riots. Who knows? But these things happen as a resident of this planet called Earth. Instead of living in denial of these things going on, we need to accept the fact that they are a reality of being a business owner. And if you want your clients to take your business more seriously, you have to take your business more seriously. That requires us to put our big girl pants on and to think through our own contingency plans for our own business. What are you going to do when the government comes in and locks down your city, your local government area, and your state, and you have a wedding you're supposed to be delivering on that weekend? What is your business going to do? Even if it's not COVID-related, what is your business going to do if there's a massive ice storm that runs through your county or your state? These are all experiences that we have had in the last 12 and 24 months. These are not exceptions. These are part of what we get to expect as business owners and having a plan for it is absolutely required. This is not just a hobby. You're not just dabbling in flowers for funsies and running a not-for-profit organization. You are running a legitimate business. Your legitimate business requires you as the CEO to look at your business from a much more legitimate perspective. Continuity plans are part of that planning. Where we get ourselves into so much trouble, and I speak from firsthand experience, is we get clear on what our plan is, if this then that. However, because we're nice people and we're people pleasers and we don't want to be seen as a total douchebag to our clients, we don't uphold our own boundaries. So we go through all of the finances and the time and the energy to create our contracts and then we don't even uphold it. 
Most of us don't realize that we get totally walked over on until after the fact. And it's really interesting, right? If we could go back in time and realize, well, wait a minute, I did so many things out of scarcity. I did so many things out of not wanting to not be liked by my clients. And I let my business down because of it. And it's so interesting, right? The discomfort of having to uphold our boundaries. It is uncomfortable. It's unfamiliar for so many of us, right? Particularly as women. It's like, well, we don't want to be labeled as the mean girl or the douchebag or the bitch or the bully. But in actual fact, our first obligation as the CEO of our business is to our business, And you, as the CEO, have a contract in place with your clients, and there's two parties to that contract. If there's a force majeure situation and you cannot deliver on your contract, the contract is frustrated. That means losses lie where they fall. That's it. That is it, and that is done. End of story. It doesn't mean, oh, okay, great, well, I'm just going to give the client all of their money back. No, that is not what your contract says. Well, I don't know that for sure. It's probably not what your contract says. It's not what most force majeure statements are about. We don't need to carry the burden of this entire global pandemic on behalf of this industry, on behalf of our wholesalers and our growers and our clients. Every single one of us as human beings is making sacrifices We are losing out because of a global pandemic. Your business has rights. Your business needs to have a leg to stand on. And in order to make that happen, you have to have a contract in place. And then in order to actually allow that to see the light of day, you as the CEO need to uphold your contract. That is your job. That is what you signed up to make happen. And I know we all walk around not wanting, not wanting to be liked. (laughs) If that sentence even makes sense. I got myself into so much trouble because I would intentionally avoid the exercise of not being liked by my clients, completely letting go of and forgetting my obligation to my business. And I know I never signed an agreement. Like I don't have an employee agreement with myself and my business, but the unwritten and the inferred relationship that you have as the CEO of your business is that you are responsible first and foremost for this business. You have a duty of care to your business. And then you have a duty of care to the clients who you have a signed contract with. No contract no leg to stand on. If you feel frustrated because your clients don't take your business seriously, do you take your business seriously? If you are afraid of having the tough conversation, afraid of not being liked, I get it. I mean, the level of nausea that I felt through much of 2020 because we kept putting up our boundaries, because we kept saying, "Uh uh-uh, I love you, but uh uh-uh, this is the contract that you signed I know now, looking in hindsight, I am so grateful that we went through the extreme discomfort of last year. Because I know, when I look at that version of Kathleen and I think, fuck, that was hard. Holy shit, how is it that you're still standing and you're still showing up every day and still making this work? Because that was epic, what you navigated in 2020. And this business is so much better off because of it. 
And you as a CEO are such a better example to this industry because of it. Because this industry doesn't have enough leaders going out there saying, no, you can put your foot down. You do not have to give the money back to your clients. That is the kind of business that I want to run. I want to run a very legitimate business that requires me, the CEO of this business, to show up in total legitimacy and deal with my own hesitations and my own people-pleasing tendencies because my first obligation is to this business. And right now, I am so glad that I took the road less traveled. I am so grateful to be an employee and to be a representative of this kind of business. I am so glad that I have that level of integrity and I can deal with my own hesitation and feel my feelings and embrace all of the discomfort and be nauseous and say no to my clients. That is the kind of business that I want to run. And that is the shift that is required for us as floral designers to really step into our CEO persona. And I know that it can feel like such an incredible burden I know being a CEO is not for everyone on this planet. I will tell you right now, though, it is fucking amazing to have this level of authority and this level of power to decide you get to do anything you want with your business. There are no rules. The only people who care about what you do is the tax office, my friends. The rest of it is always up for negotiation. And one of the greatest experiences that you can go through to get there is to think through your hypotheticals. When you think through your hypotheticals, it gives you peace of mind that you've already created a plan B. So that when shit hits the fan, you open up your business continuity plan and you start to take action. It takes so much of the pressure off of you. You start to document and outline what's required and the business has a plan so that even if you're not available, somebody else can go in there and be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. If this, then that. It brings you so much clarity. And this is where we get ourselves so muddled, right? When you're thinking about bringing in freelancers and hiring help, we haven't documented a single thing. So then you're like, well, how do I find reliable freelancers? And I was like, honey, we don't need reliable freelancers. We just need a trained monkey. Because our systems and processes are becoming so clear that they can just read the book and then make the work happen. And it also really helps you level up and shift your thinking, adjust your mindset and overcome your limiting beliefs to step into that bigger, more authoritative CEO version of yourself. You take yourself so much more seriously and you will see the dramatic impact of how much your staff takes you seriously, your suppliers take you seriously, and your customers take you seriously. You take your pricing to a place that you're like, oh my God, why was I ever walking around second guessing being able to charge this much for this kind of design? And I know you want to live in a bubble of rainbows and butterflies and puppies. I know you don't want to think about the hypotheticals and you don't want to think about the worst case scenarios, but your business will be so much better off because of it. It's what helps you go from a small time side hustly designer to the definition of a going concern. Adding contingency plans to your business and mapping out your hypotheticals actually adds value to your business so that when the day comes that you decide to sell your business, you can demand a higher price. I know it's not sexy, 
And I know it doesn't make as pretty a picture as those perfectly posed peonies on Instagram, but you taking the time to think through the hypotheticals that are most relevant to your business is so empowering because then you will really feel like you are way more in control of your business, way less reactive, way less on the back foot. And when you show up with that much more authority, your clients just look at you like, oh my gosh, yeah, whatever you say, you clearly seem to have your shit together. So yeah, great. Of course I'll pay $10,000 for that amazing archway. Sign me up. It has everything to do with how we approach our business. And it's so interesting, right? If we don't sit down and think about our hypotheticals, the stress that we end up falling into because when in reality shit happens, it's like, oh my God, this is a totally self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you can take some time to start thinking through the hypotheticals in your business, what are the top three worst case scenarios that you can imagine right now? And just start coming up with a plan B. If this, then that could be a quick few dot points in a Google Doc. As new ideas come to you, new solutions come to you, amazing. I promise you this work will pay off for you because it's going to require you to think differently about your business. The minute you think differently about your business, you're going to show up in a totally different way and create even bigger impact with your business. It is so simple and so incredibly powerful. So I know you probably don't want to do this because it's not sexy and it's not fun, but your future self is going to be so grateful that you do this work. My friends, go out there, think about your hypotheticals, come up with a plan, and then let's go out there and kick some ass. Have the most amazing day, my friends. Drive safe, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye for now.